Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 271. And since the last several have been related to uh, the Triple Crown, and that's the Pointing Lab National held in Lenore, Idaho, uh, I'm going to take it the next step now. So that's over, that we still have people that are running the Master National. Uh, we've got that going. So there's still people that have some high-end competitions going on still running the field trail season is just going strong so people are still doing that but what I wanted to talk about was transitioning out of the competitive season particularly at a fairly high level transitioning out of competitive competitive season into if you're a hunter hunting season and some people that are compete aren't going to hunt because that messes up their other stuff but then that goes for those people too. So whether you're just taking a hiatus or will after the last national is over, uh, or you're taking one now and you know had success and waiting to go about it next year, I just want to offer a little bit of th food for thought on that stuff. Probably one of the most important, um, in my opinion, aspects to dog training for the dog is consistency. The more consistent we are in our interactions and our expectations and our communication, the easier it is for the dog to know exactly you know, what the expectations are, what they can and cannot do, and, and it's, it stays the same. And it's, it's just like for those of you that uh, are, have raised kids, are raising kids, or at least were a kid at some time, if when you were being raised, there weren't really any rules, and sometimes if grandma was over, you had to really behave, and if if the neighbor kids were over, you could just be wild. You know, if you have all kinds of different stuff, then the kids, that's a little tougher on kids when they go someplace, you know, where they have to, like, follow the rules all day long because they've never learned to do that, and they're not sure that rules really apply because they only sporadically did. It's very, very much so with dogs. And so a lot of times when people relax because you've worked really hard and it's been a very challenging thing you've done, you kind of relax because, whew, glad that's over. And you take your standard in your interactions and your communication. You don't have to still be out training technical water blinds and wall breaking and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to be out doing that. But if you're, if the other interactions that you had now kind of relax and get uh, loose then next year and I know a lot of people they don't even think about it they're like that's all right next year I will you know we'll just tighten back up and get back going again and you know there's some dogs that probably you can get away with that but there's dogs that you pay a price for that and so it, in my perspective I just don't want it to happen at all it, it's it would be like, and I'm going to use another silly analogy, but it's true. It'd be like if you lost 25 pounds, you know, and got down, oh, man, you're wearing your skinny jeans and doing all that kind of stuff. And then for the summer, went on a party time and, you know, put 29 pounds back on. It's hard. It's, that's a hard cycle. Well, it's not good for you. And it's also very hard to do where if you just consistently eat whatever keeps you where you want to be then that's way easier <laughs> it really is or being in shape you know man you get everybody you get all in shape to go run a 5k or a 10k and you get there and then you run it do us do nothing 
And then when you ever think about it again, you got that big old hill to climb again. So it, it is very similar when dogs are taught to be real responsive, you know, understand the rules, take that little piece of water, get back in at 180 yards out. When they get, when they really know that kind of stuff and they understand that what you ask them to do, they need to do, it's so much easier if you, as much as possible as you're capable, kind of keep it that way. That doesn't mean you have to be out actually doing all of that per se, but your interactions are real important. And I'll just give you an example. I, I had somebody that was talking to me the other day about what trouble they're working so hard on going from the holding blind to the line for people that run the retriever stuff. Going to the hold, from the holding blind to the line. And a lot of people have trouble with that. It's much easier if you never let it start. That's kind of the answer to that. But if you have that problem, all right, and, and so you finally, through however you did it, you worked it out where you can, the dog's under control coming out of the holding blind and walking over there. Okay, so in, in the human mind, you're sitting there going, all right, I, we need to get from behind this holding blind over to that spot by the ribbon, and the dog needs to look like it's working with me and kind of walking with me. It needs to respond to where my body is and to what I'm saying and be with me. That's what's in in uh, the human mind right there doing all that stuff. In the dog's mind, they're like, woo, we're going to do this. And I ain't got to stay right by him. I, he said this, so I need to do it. So walk up. So when he says sit, I got to sit. And then after you finish your competitive things, the dog never has to do that sort of interaction with you again. They're not, you're not going to walk, have them walk next to you off leash. You know, you're not going to make them be real excited and something and still be right next to you, you know, because whoo, we're over, I'm tired, I'm, and so now they don't have to do it. And so you're in the, well, we're not at a competitive thing, so I don't care. You can be in front of me or whatever. I don't care. I'll just yell at you to get over here. And then when you go back to that, and you're going, oh, man, here we go with the same problem. They're just walking, they out there, running out there, not paying any attention to me like they did since our last event. So... There are many kind of small things you can do. Again, you don't have to go and do big, hard training things. I mean, training things are good. It's good to, if you can. And, I, you know, everybody can. <laughs> they can kind of keep up at least some moderate work, moderate marking, moderate, moderate handling, um, water if you're somewhere where you can get in water. If not, use something like cover or, a, you know, something that's, that's like an obstacle like water would be where it would be easier to run around and do some lining drills so that they got to go through the stuff instead of around. So you keep that kind of mindset in there. That, that's very doable. I know because I I always did that uh, with dogs. Just to keep them knowing you got to go straight. Don't just run around take the easy way. Now, if we're on a walk, yeah, I don't care. Go wherever you want. But, but when we're doing a, a lining drill or something and we're working, then, um, you know, then we're going to just... Practice the response of, give me effort, go straight. The interactions with your dog. You know, if you call them or ask, you know, tell them to get in the bed or get in the crate or get in the, through the door or in the yard, make sure they do it the first time because that's the kind of thing you need in competition. Now, I'm going to say something where I always get the look and the raised eyebrows, but for those who hunt, you know, in the pointing labs, a great number of the pointing lab people hunt with their dogs. Not all, 
some they want to get all the stuff finished off and stuff but if you're hunting and i you know there seems to be particularly if you have kind of a well-trained dog and it's kind of good the show-off thing is really tempting you know because most people's dogs are not you know rock solid steady under control do stuff without you having to tell them anything you know it's kind of fun to have a really really good dog if you're going to come back and do some more stuff or if you're just thinking about i might come back and do some stuff or not when you're hunting you can still for the most part hold the rules that you have to have in competition now our our triple crown the american pudding lab association tests we have planted birds so they came out of a crate that came out of a bird pen it does not it has all kinds of smell and behavior and things that no wild bird in the world has it's a different thing and unless you got wild pheasant you know or pheasant that have been out for a long time and they're hiding in a snow thing then they're not staying there right they're going to run so you're going to have birds that run and birds that fly and birds and all kinds of stuff that is not in our events so if you are hunting you know pheasant where they're running then you're not going to have a dog point and then stand there and the pheasant runs off and there and stay there so a lot of times the the steady pointing stuff goes out the window a little bit when birds are moving but even with that stuff they can't chase because if you chase a running pheasant the pheasant and your dog are gone and there's absolutely no use to that at all and moving a bird away from you uh, is really not the point when you're hunting so still you can they still have to stay in a range that's workable for you uh, if the birds are running around then you can't expect a point and so you can have them i know some people whose dogs learn to go deep of the the running bird and come back at it sometimes you can trap them a little bit that way or at least get access to them but you just don't want your dog there's no no reason to ever chase a bird ever 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 if you're sent to retrieve a wounded bird then pursue the retrieve but just a wild bird or a loose bird there's no reason to chase it and i don't let them do it now don't let them because unless the bird is going to dive into something and then they can't stop and point it so a little bit of common sense one of the worst things that people do is this is for the pointing the pointing guys right now shoot it's for the flushing ones too but it's really for the pointing ones so if you have a real nice uh pointing dog and they go out there and they point at first scent right and they stay there and they're back because if they really hunt they can't be on top of them like they can often in the test and they're back and then here comes your buddy's flushing lab or flushing whatever through there and goes ah there must be one here and then you know throws that bird up it, can you imagine what your dog is doing is like i don't know what to do with this he got that dog came in and just took my bird out and you have that happen a few times and there's no reason for that dog to be pointing because if the other dog's going to flush the bird all the time and he's just standing there helping him find it that can undo a lot of things so the let's all turn our dogs loose our big fancy dogs loose and let them all run around and you know get in the way and then one bird gets shot and three dogs go after it uh and i you know I, some of my clients with 
with Forex Grandmasters and real fancy ones. You know, they go out and do that, and I think the ego's big, and we're just having fun. We've worked so hard and followed all the rules, now we're going to have fun. Man, I would never have fun like that. One, you could get a dog fight. Yes, even dogs that don't fight, if, when it comes to whose bird it is, you could get in or just tear the bird in two or teach them that this is competitive. Fastest guy gets it. You know, if you want that one, I don't know if anybody else wants to hunt with you, and you're going to have a little trouble next year on re-steadying things up and changing that dog's perspective on what their job is out there. So having a lot of dogs out there where, and, I, and I've said before on these things, I've, I've been hunting in South Dakota in a, in a really nice uh, uh, cut cornfield. So, but no, it was a big CRP field, really big, and there were five of us. Five dogs fight, and we all just spread all the way out, and my dog hunted for me, and the guy next to me, and we weren't right next to each other, and then every dog hunted independently and retrieved independently, and we actually had flushing and pointing, but since the flushing one was doing its own thing, you know, again, they just stayed in their own, so that was doable, but nobody's dog was going over and grabbing somebody else's anything. If a shot went off and it wasn't, their person they didn't go it just wasn't very hard but then they were used to following the rules and you know hey this is and also taught uh to hunt one-on-one you know now you could have one dog and three people you know they'll do that but um that works real good but three dogs and one person it becomes a little bit of a circus so in terms of the hunting stuff um, I, you know, just maintain your investment. And if you're just have a, wanting to have a lot of fun, just you and your dog go out and have a lot of fun. Or go out with the people that have all their dogs out and the flushers and the pointers are all out there together. Go out with them and then when that's done, take you, take your dog and go over and do a, you know, ditch row or do something, just the two of you. So everything kind of stays really nice. I have had a number of clients with the most finished dogs in the world. And they never let their dogs break on the gun. And they never, but, you know, if the bird is wounded, they can send them. But the dog doesn't auto-choose when they go. They're told when they go. Um, that works really well. And they maintain the standards on their dog. And then when I got them back, I didn't have to do anything. We were just right where we were because they had maintained that. So if you want to keep going on, on uh, upland stuff, you know, I would think about that. On the retrieving stuff. No matter what, when you go hunting, okay, if, and I have had this question a whole lot. It's just funny, very funny. People, you know, I've trained the dog, and we have a senior hunter title, or even more than that, master hunter, dog is steady. You know, and they go, how do I get my dog steady in the duck blind? <laughs> and my question is always, how do you, why are they not steady? What have you done? So we, what they've done is they just take them in the duck blind, everybody starts shooting, dog if they're, you know, gets out if it can or is just loose out there and takes off and is out there fielding and getting in the way of gunshots and stuff. Um, so when you go out and do your waterfowl stuff, find a way to either have a, a stakeout where your dog is kept there or a clip thing. You know, they have those alligator clips on two sides. You can clip them to you and, and their collar or, you know, if you're shooting, that might be a little bit not good clip them to a little c-ring thing that you put you know screwed into the wood there stake out in the ground yeah even if it's cold do so teach your dog you still have to sit here 
until we're done. Because there is no, no safe reason to be out in the middle of the action and fielding, fielding ducks and chasing one and other ones are coming down and grabbing one and the live one gets away. There's just, you don't have to do that. And if you're in something where the dog cannot see, okay, there's lay down blinds where you can have your dog where they can see some things. And if they can't see, if the dog handles, well, that's why they handle. Um, or else have some rocks, you know, if you can throw a rock out where it is and get them out there. But it, steady is always safer than not steady. You can send them as soon as you want. You can teach them to sit on a, a platform or, or a whatever, some kind of little doggy thing where they can sit and they have to wait to be sent. And the first thing you do is just keep them where they can't go. And then they learn, oh, I always can't go. And then after they really understand that, then you have a dog that waits to be sent. So that kind of thing, the steadiness, you don't have to let that go. Um, you just don't. You know, hopefully I, all flushing and pointing dogs should be de-chased where the, every bird flying is not theirs unless, it is, unless it's shot. And, you know, steady to shot. Nobody on earth can argue with me that that's not good. <laughs> because if the dog waits to be sent, you can send it whenever you want. But it's really nice when it waits because there's another bird that's coming up low and you're, the guy with you is going to shoot it. And if your dog's out there pursuing it, that bad many bad things like that happen so the the keeping the steadiness training there's not too many downsides to that and you know really makes a, a big difference now the last aspect of this that i want to talk about that i think is extraordinarily important is keeping the dog uh, mentally in the game you know, it would be like having a, a chess uh, a chess champion. You know that won all. You know, won the national thing. It was something. It was just amazing. And then he just didn't play chess or read a book or do anything. He just went out and partied and stuff. And then came, comes back. It's going to take a little bit for that mind to get back in the focused mode. That's a weird example. There's probably better ones. Imagine when you were in school and you could pay attention and study and do homework for hours at night and then you don't go to school anymore and then you come back. You can't do that mentally. It, it's just sitting in a chair, so it's not a physical energy. It's a mental energy. So mental energy on a dog in the off-season, I think, is extremely important. Now, I have heard a thousand people, if I've heard one, tell me, gosh, my dog is so motivated and they have so much energy and they're so and so I and whatever they do you know they ride on their bike with it they they take it out and turn it loose they get it out in the yard and throw the ball I hate that but throw the ball 57 times because they want to burn off the physical energy or even worse than throwing the ball the dog park where they can run around with just chaotic wildness zero focus zero purpose zero zero intent zero connection with you and they're just burning energy. And that is incorrect. Are they burning physical energy? Yes. They are also enhancing the mental chaos, the complete lack of focus, the complete lack of uh, connection with you. They're just kind of mindlessly spending physical energy. Though if you really want to remove the energy from your dog, and yes, I don't care what dog it is, if you really want to remove the energy from them, make them sit down and do algebra problems. I've always said that. 
Make them do algebra problems. And if they're really, really, really trained, make them do calculus problems. In other words, do things which make them think. That they have to sit and, and engage in what's happening, engage with what you're doing, and make choices and consider what, and they have to think. You can get very creative. Don't just go out and do a lining drill or a casting drill or run some blinds. Are those good? Yeah, because they have to think. They have to engage with you, listen, respond, and think. But you can get real creative. I've had people tell me stuff they did in the house in the wintertime with their dog that it played and basically came up with these games where the fact that they're force-fetched and they handle and they do what they're supposed to, you could do all kinds of stuff. And the dog was absolutely fascinated and engaged because they were having to think. And they got to do what they like, and they were having to think. And so the biggest way to take the energy level of your dog down isn't just run the heck out of them, because that usually just continuously makes it become more, because you're just feeding that enhanced wild chaotic non-thinking but is to go do and longer is not better just like if we said okay i came to you and said let's sit down and do some algebra problems you'd be going how long for what how you know and i said for two hours you'd run screaming out of the room and you certainly never want to do that with dogs so if you're doing some some tough stuff some lining drills some real interesting things that you've got do it for five or ten minutes because then the brain is drained on a dog. It is. Um, you and I could go do algebra problems for 20 or 30 minutes. That would be okay because you have a human brain. But a dog, when you're really digging in and making them do a lot of thinking stuff, 10 or 15 minutes, you're done. You're done. Don't do a lining, a single lining drill for 15 minutes. And don't do it over and over. That would be like us doing algebra problems and me giving you the same one <laughs> over and over. Boring. You're going to disconnect and, and get all, and go, see, they're not, they're all crazy. Look at them. No, I'm boring the holy heck out of them. So just think of you and an algebra problem. Let's do one, and then let's do a different kind. It's, and I have to think a little differently. It's hard. And we'll try another one similar to that. And you sit there and mentally challenge those dogs. If you keep the brain engaged and the connection with you going, and come up with your own ways, variety of ways, you know, just getting from, from the house out to your vehicle to go do something. You can make games of that. They got to wait at the door and then they got to do this and then they got to go pick up the bumper bag and bring, bring it to you. You can do all kinds of things where they have to think and work with you. And the more of that you do, the better it is. And if you have a high energy dog and you think, well, we're not out running two and three setups a day uh, or chasing birds around a field for half an hour, an hour, you know, boy he's just going to be crazy let's just let's just go out of the off the soccer field then and into the algebra problems and do some of that stuff and you will have them when you're done they're going to go i'll just go lay down now thank you because they're mentally tired and what you see very often if the dog is is actually totally mentally healthy and okay what you see their body do is telling you what their mind is doing and so if they have all this energy and they're, oh, man, they're bouncing around and all that stuff, that's what's happening in their minds. So instead of looking at the body and just say, hey, let's get on the bike and just go chase me around the open space, not that that's bad if they're right at your side, but instead 
engage what really the problem is, and that's that very active mind that wants a challenge and wants a purpose and something that it can engage with and work on, that it likes. Just like you, if you hate math and I have you do math, it's going to be horrible. But if you like it and we work at it, make it challenging, then it's a lot of fun. So work on the retrieving stuff for these retrievers. And, the, you know, some dogs really like handling. Work on that. Get them, get them to, you know, get real hard, real, get your lining drill far and, and close together and teach them to just get the one at a time, the right one. There's so many things you can do. But I'd say that's probably the most important thing. As far as the exercise, which is my thing, I always uh, ran with my dogs, always. I, I have a wiener dog. I don't run with her because I wouldn't even be warmed up. She'd be done. Uh, Two-inch legs, not good. But for all the retrievers I've ever had, I always ran. But never, ever, and I mean never, was it anything but you're at my side at heel. 100% of the time. I've run 12 miles with those guys at my side. Now, they get so good that I just have the leash wrapped around their neck. I could walk, I could run down the sidewalk of a street and they'd just be right with me. Just going at my speed, stopping if I had to stop to cross something. Um, we'd stop if there was a, a pond or a ditch or something, they need to get a drink of water. You know, we'd stop and I'd say, get a drink and they would. Um, and then we'd keep going. But the, so they were getting a lot of exercise, but it was completely focused. Again, they had to be at my left side. They had to be going my speed. They had to stop when I stopped. I mean, there were so there were times I'd tell them to get right in front of me because it would maybe be a single track trail or dogs are coming, get right behind me. So it was a training session of control and complete teamwork where they had to think the whole time and get exercise. Really optimal. But when you just take them somewhere and turn them loose or see if they can keep up with you on the bike, that's that's exercise. But it's... The, there's not, they're not having to think and control themselves and engage with their brains. And that's a, just a super important thing. So that's probably one of the biggest things you can do in the off-season or the slower season or in between things that you do. You can make them follow the rules in hunting. Why would anyone not do that? I will never know. Um, ha watching a dog get hurt because everyone has their dogs out because they have fancy dogs and it's just fun to turn them loose. Eh, no, you'll regret that forever. So, you know, don't do that. Um, and then find the algebra problems for your dogs. Find challenge. Don't, don't do the same thing all the time. Don't do the same thing over and over. It's boring. Find a way to challenge them and invent things. It doesn't even matter. Don't, you know, don't, do, don't be afraid of doing something. If people could see me, they just think I was crazy. Nobody, who cares? Do whatever it is that's fun between the two of you, that's challenging, that's a game, also fun for you, this should be fun for you, and you're keeping that dog mentally on edge and draining mental energy, which is the most important thing for the dogs that everybody thinks have so much energy. Um, that mental energy is really the key to that. So going into the off season, whenever anybody does, um, if you're coming back next year, and even if you're not, because you're gonna live with this dog for the next many, many years, uh, find some ways to to challenge them, to keep them mentally busy, if, to do the exercise thing, but do it where they still have to think and function. Just like when they're running a big triple, you know, that's a lot of exercise, and they got to do go straight and come straight back, and 
They don't do all this stuff exactly the right way. And so have them when, if you're on a bike or you're whatever, you know, don't, I, I suggest don't just throw them out the truck and, you know, run, let them run. That's just a, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't exercise a dog if that's the only way I could, because I wouldn't want that kind of thinking to develop. And then there's always a chance that you could run them over. So that's what I just, to transition into off season, I thought I'd offer a little bit of that for people. Um, and if your dog's been working hard all season, just like you, and I know a bunch of you have, do when you can, do take a break, but don't, but don't just stop, uh, you know, everything so that, again, that's like getting ready to get in shape to go run a 10K and then sitting in the chair after that, never, never getting up and doing anything. Don't do that, but find a way to, to make a game out of stuff. You know, get on your bike, take them with you, not on concrete, very hard on dog feet and and ankles and shoulders and everything else. Take them on a dirt trail if you can and, and just do something that's fun for both of you that challenges them mentally where they have to think and stay very engaged with you. Uh, and that makes coming back next year way easier, way easier. Or hunting or anything else. It just makes it easier because it's been consistent. They still got, you're important. They still got to listen and respond. It's still a team thing. And there's still rules. And they still think and know how to think. Because if you don't make them think for three or four months, the old thinker's rusty and cobwebs all over the place. So keep that thing kind of greased up and ready to function uh, just like you would uh, and the things you do. So that's the one for today. Congratulations to uh all the people that have had such a, I, gosh, everybody I know has had a good season. It just seems to be a really good year for that stuff. I'm, I'm just so pleased. It, people are doing an amazing job, and it's just so fun to watch. So everybody stay safe. We're going into hunting season that already started, and more of it's coming along. So stay safe. Keep your dog safe, and uh, have a really wonderful season. And I will be back next week.